0: Good afternoon, Honourable Members. This Honourable House now resumes its sitting. Pray be be seated. Honourable Members, we are now at the 2 o'clock hour. And we are now at question time. And we will now have oral replies to questions. And parliamentary question number one to be asked by the Governor's Appointed Member No. 2 to the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment, and Trade. Honorable Governor's Appointed No. 1.
1: Sorry, number 2. Uh, good afternoon again, Mr. Speaker. And the question I have, will the, hon- will the Honorable Premier uh, be pleased to provide this Honorable House with the satis- statistics of the number of fines actually levied on collecting for violations of the gaming ordinance to date. Honorable
0: Honorable Deputy Premier. Premier. Sorry, Deputy Deputy Premier. Premier. Uh, It's the Honorable Honorable Deputy Premier. Premier.
2: Thank you. uh, Thank you, Mr. Mr. Speaker. I'm not thinking that I'm still in the committee my apologies Thank you mr uh, mr Speaker mr. Speaker Through him I'm more than happy to, uh, to get the information provided to him instead of just saying it orally I'm more than happy to give it to him I don't have it exactly with me right now because it's coming from the gaming commission But I'm more than happy to present it to him in this house uh, by the next sitting of the house if that's okay
1: Uh, Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Okay, questions number two
0: uh, for- Honorable- You can take your seat, sir. Okay. Thank you. Okay, because the Honorable Deputy Premier doesn't have the answer to that, that question will be deferred until the next um, sitting of the the House of Assembly. Okay? Um, Parliamentary question number two to be asked by the Honorable Governor Appointed Member No. 2 to the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade. Honorable Governor Appointed Member No. 2.
1: Uh, thanks again, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the question is, on Tuesday, October 19, uh, 2021, meeting reference the Turks and Caicos Island government press, press release dated October 25th of 2021 posted on Facebook as well, where the acting governor at the time and the Hon Premier and the Deputy Premier and the Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade met with members of the Turks and Caicos Islands making associations where discussions were held around the issue of customer service family island operations and the need to establish an automated clearinghouse, ACH, a service that will allow our local bank system to speak to each other through technology, clear checks same day, and better allow our transfer funds in between banks. Will Honorable Deputy Premier, Minister of Finance and Investment and Trade, please to say that what progress has been made to date on the implementation of the ACH, which is the Clearinghouse, in the Turks and Caicos Islands, and how soon will this come to fruition. Thank you. Honorable Deputy Premier, you may respond.
2: Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Mr. Speaker, let me uh, correct it. It's because the um, the questions, the first question had to the Premier, and so it threw me off. I didn't have it, but I found it. The answer to the first question, so we can, if you want, I can then pick it up at the end, or whatever you want to so have the answer to the first question that the honorable member, uh, governor's appointed member. Now, in terms of the ACH, I just want, I'm just going to provide a bit of a background so the public can understand what it is. Currently, for the public uh, consumption, right now, when you go to a bank with a check and you deposit a bank, so let's say you have a Scotia check and you went to CIBC, First Caribbean, and you deposit that Scotia check into the bank, you would normally be a waiting period before you can access the funds. So the funds will show up on your account. It will put a hold on it. And most times it'll take at least three days, sometimes up to five days for the check to clear. So you can't get the funds right away. What the ACH is, is the ACH is, a first of all, before it was a piece of hardware that allowed the banks to be able to clear your check within one day. And then they settle among themselves. And the reason why I point out one day, because apparently the world has come far enough now where you can do it in real time. And so from the time we came into government, we've been, I've been pushing, the banks uh, particularly through the bankers association about implementing the ACH that will allow all of the banks to be able to settle each other's checks within one day which means that not only will it show up on your on your bank account but that you'll be able to access those funds so again if you went to scotia bank with an rbi with an rbc check you would be able to get those funds at the worst case scenario the next day and uh, i've been are disappointed because the, the bankers' association, the banks have said they were working on, on different solutions. We uh, there's two things going going on in parallel now. The bankers' association believe that they have a system that they can work with. They believe that they could that it will be in this year. The um, but they've been saying this to me every year. To be honest, but this morning I had a conversation, a long conversation, before House of Assembly with the country manager for Scotia Bank, and the uh, about what they've done in Barbados, in terms of what the Barbados government is doing. And it's a more modern solution, which allows the banks to settle in real time. Uh, the, that being done, again, if you came in with a check, or, or one of the things, Mr. Speaker, just to cover back on what I was saying, not, not even only checks, some people who send wires will understand if you send a wire to someone in the Turks and Caicos stuff. So I was sending a wire to, to you, Mr. Speaker, and you were at, at CIBC and I was at RBC to send you to transfer that money to your account. The money has to go out of the jurisdiction and then come back in. And that's why you keep getting those high fees to send someone even a, an electronic payment within the Turks and Caicos. Well, the ACH would remove that issue. You'd be able to send the money right away. So when you when you go online and you do online banking, and you want to send money to someone at the same bank, you could do it at any time, and the funds are transferred. You could do it at any time, you can do it at night time, you can do it on the weekend, and they get the funds. If you send them, uh, want to send a transfer to someone at another bank, you can't do it out of hours. It will hold, and it will be uh, pending. If you do it on the weekend, it will be pending until, until the next business day. With the ACH, you'd be able to send money to someone at another bank even electronically, uh, even if you're not using a check, just as quickly as if you're sending to the same bank. So this will solve all of those problems. And I was told today that there's a solution in Barbados that you could use and get it in real time, that the bank will do the settlements in in real time. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. I'm arranging uh, now, as of this morning, to have a meeting with the people who organize it in uh, in Barbados so we can have it. I I feel pretty confident that um, that we will have it this year, but I can certainly say this, that the leader of the opposition won't have it as an election item issue to be able to campaign on We will solve that problem.
0: Thank you for that response, um, Honorable Deputy Premier. Do you want to now also answer the the first question? Honorable Deputy Premier, you said you have the statistics for the first question?
2: Yes, Mr. Mr. Speaker. Um, So this is what I said. In terms of the first question, the Gaming Commission have not levied any fines for the financial year 2023-2024 and would have not used the avenue to apply to the magistrates' court for the recovery of any unpaid taxes or fines. Uh, And they said the the gaming commission would communicate with gaming operators in arrears, requesting that unpaid taxes and fees are paid immediately. Failure to comply would result in the operational license uh, would be suspended. It is worth noting that in the gaming machine ordinance that any unpaid taxes or fees the court could have ordered the licenses to pay an additional 20% of the fees or taxes as a penalty, and this was included in the Gaming Control Amendment Bill 2023 to remove the intervention to the court once payment is received by the Commission after the 15th of each month, thereby attracting an automatic penalty of 20% of the outstanding fee. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable member, do you have a supplementary?
1: uh yes mr speaker uh, i know he, he mentioned the year of 23 24. there is none but i was wondering if they have any 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 uh, any previous to that to, to
2: 23. honorable deputy premier thank you mr Speaker. Now, certainly with that um i would have to get the gaming commission to to get those figures together for you and those historical figures and be able to provide it to you and i'll seek to do it so By the next sitting of the HOA, so you can have those figures.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Honourable Deputy Premier. Parliamentary Question Number Three, to be asked by the Honourable Governor's Appointed Member Number Two, to the Honourable Minister for Immigration and Border Services. Honourable Governor's Appointed Member Number Two.
1: Um, yes, uh, the Honorable Minister for uh, Immigration, uh, the questions for you. Uh, would you be pleased to say when, when the implementation, implementation, I- Im- implement- implementation of an uh, online portal allowing customer to submit applications for work permit, birth certificate, marriage certificate, PRCs, etc., Electr- Electr- electronically have the documents vetted, receive tentative approval, be prompt to present to original document for the file to be able to pay for the various service online when the implementations implemention of, of an online portal, um, any plan, any schedule, when that will be will be enacted.
0: Honorable Minister for Immigration and Border
3: Services. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. To the honorable member, the service department was see an electronic solution introduced that will be user-friendly, allowing applicants to electronically complete the application and submit for consideration. Decision will be swift and efficient, as all applications can be reviewed and follow a queue that operates on a first-in, first-out policy. Additionally, applications which are prioritized can be routed to the front of the queue, ensuring that necessary, necessary attention Follows the application to completion. Response, decisions, and application will be provided to customers via email. For additional information requests, applicants will be able to upload to an existing application the information requested and resubmit for further consideration. Applicants will no longer need to visit the department for information on the application, as same will be sent to them electronically once decisions are made.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honourable Minister. Is there a supplementary?
1: Yes, Mr. Speaker. Uh, When do you think uh, you will have, uh, you will implement that? Mr. Speaker, uh,
3: we are trying to do it at least by the end of the month. We're on a trial basis now with members of our our staff, Uh, so we hope to have it by the end of the month.
0: Thank you very much, much. Honorable Honorable Minister for Immigration and Border border Services. services. Uh, Honorable members, members, we will now return Um, to the order order paper. paper, And before we broke for lunch, lunch, we were in committee committee of supply supply on the Supplementary Appropriation 2023 slash 2024, Bill 2024. And we will now return to committee of supply Therefore, I hereby suspend this Honorable House, and I will call on the Honorable Deputy Speaker to preside in the Committee of Supply. This Honorable House is hereby suspended.
4: Honorable Minister of
2: Finance. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, I move that clause one stand part of the bill. Do I have a second? Form part of the bill. Thank you.
4: Motion moved by the Honourable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, and seconded by the Honourable Minister for Education, that Clause 1 stand as part of the schedule. Those in favour say aye. Those in the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? There being no contribution, the question is that clause one now stands part of the bill. Those in favor say aye. Those to the contrary, no. Ayes have it. Madam Clerk. Clause
5: two, variation, reduction, and reallocation of consolidated funds authorized.
4: Honourable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, I have moved that clause two form part of the bill. Do I have a second?
4: Motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance and seconded by the Honorable Minister for Education. That Clause 2 now stands part of the bill. Those in favor say aye. Those to the contrary, no. Aye. Ayes have it. Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? There being no contribution, the question is that clause two now stands as part of the bill. Those in favor say aye, those to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Madam Clerk. Clause
5: three, three. reduction of funds from development fund authorized.
4: Honorable Minister for Finance, Deputy Premier.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, I move that clause three forms part of the bill. Do I have a second?
4: Motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and the Minister for Finance, seconded by the Honorable Minister for Education, that clause three stands as part of the bill. Those in favor say aye, those to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? There being no contribution, the question is that Clause 3 now stands as part of the bill. Those in favor say aye, those to the contrary, no. The ayes have it, Madam Clerk.
5: Section 5, Clause 4, Section 5, 4 of Supporting Schedules to the Estimates of Revenues and Expenditure Forms Part of Ordinance.
4: Honorable Deputy Premier.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, I move that Clause 4 forms part of the bill. Do I have a second?
4: Motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and seconded by the Honorable Minister for Education. That Clause 4 now stand as part of the bill. Those in favor say aye. Those to the contrary, no. Aye. Ayes have it. Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? Are there any contributions? There being no contribution, the question is that clause four now stands as part of the bill. Those in favour say aye. Those to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Honourable members, that brings us to the conclusion of our consideration of the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill 2024. And I now suspend the committee until His Honour, the Speaker, takes the chair. This committee stands suspended. This
0: this Honourable House now resumes its sitting. Pray be seated. Honourable Deputy Speaker.
4: Mr. Speaker, the committee has completed its consideration of the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill Number three, Bill 2024. And I'm pleased to report that the bill has passed through the committee with amendments. With that, Mr. Speaker, I turn these proceedings over to you.
0: Honorable members, I want to thank the honorable deputy speaker for presiding in the committee of supply and to to overseeing the passage of the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill 2024. Honorable members, I'll now return to the order paper. And we are now at the third reading of bills. And we'll have the third reading of the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill 2024 to be moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment, and Trade. Honorable Deputy Premier.
2: Uh, thank you, thank Mr. You, Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to I'd like thank, to thank you, uh, the Deputy Speaker. Speaker for presiding over the uh, the committee stage of it. This bill was passed through through very quickly. Um, before I go on, though, I just wanted to say, reach out to all the people at the Turks and Caicos and uh, wish anybody a happy birthday or uh, congratulate them for any happy times and give my condolences to anyone who's facing any um, going through any hardship or face any loss of any loved ones. The, um, some things came up, Mr. Speaker, inside the committee stage. I just wanted to touch on the, uh, the lead of the opposition during the committee stage had, had dropped in a comment about the, um, regarding to the deputy governor's office and the budget for Civil Service Week. He made some comment about election campaigning, I just wanted to remind the leader of the opposition and the people of the Turks and Caicos that coming into government, we've always said that our civil service was uh, world-class. The pay and grading review that we did in our exercise we did in December show that we we feel that way and we're backing that up with a higher pay and uh, because we think that they've earned it and uh, we want to become the employer of choice. But also the civil service week is not about campaigning, it's about also showing them how we feel about them and recognizing that we feel that they could be world class. And this is what this is about. It's not about campaigning. So I just want to remind the Leader of the Opposition that's what it is, that that's our government way of showing the civil service uh, that we feel and we think very highly of them and that, and that we support them. The, um, the other thing is that the Leader of the Opposition said, he said that um, he liked the idea of the mortgage corporation, he said he was working on his own ideas for his manifesto and he thought that you know he has to check his office out but i want to help him out and say to him that he doesn't have to help he doesn't have to check his office i've got my notes here i could give it to him if the sergeant of arms will come and take it i'll be more than happy to pass it to him he can just copy he can just copy and paste it right into his manifesto we we we, we won't yeah. We we can leave it between this house. If you would like it, I can walk up and bring it to you right now. Are you sure? Okay, we'll take it later. I was going to get the sergeant at arms to deliver it to you so we can see, Mr. Speaker, that in this house, how we get along. Well, in this house, I'd like the public to know that if you see any ideas, any good ideas show up in the manifesto of the opposition, of the leader of the opposition's party, don't be surprised if it came from this side of the house. So... uh, with that, Mr. Speaker, I move that pursuant to standing order 109.2, the bill entitled the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill 2024 be read a third time. Do I have a second? second?
0: Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade and seconded by the Honorable Minister for Home Affairs that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2023 slash 2024 bill 2024 be read a third time. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Madam Clerk.
5: This ordinance may be cited as the supplementary appropriation 2023 2024 ordinance 2024. And comes into operation on the day of publication in the Gazette.
0: Thank you very much, much. Madam Clerk. Honorable members, members, I now call on on the Honorable Deputy Deputy Premier Premier and Minister for Finance, Finance Investment and Trade to move for the passage of the Supplementary Appropriation 2023 slash 2024 Bill 2024. Honorable Deputy Deputy Premier. Premier.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Again, I'd like to thank you. this passing to this bill was very, I must say, it was very pleasant. Um, I'm going to move now for the bill to be passed in the House. I just, I just wanted to give the leader of the opposition the opportunity, if he wants to second it, uh, he could be tried to get very quickly uh, to say it and beat this side of the House out. So with that, if you're ready, let's go. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I move the pursuant to Standing Order 99.5. The bill entitled the Supplementary Appropriation 2023-2024 Bill 2024 do now pass. Do I have a second? Second!
0: (laughs) Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment, Investment and Trade, and seconded by the Honorable Minister for Health, that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2023/2024 Bill 2024 do now pass. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Um, Honourable members, the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2023/2024 Bill 2024 do now pass. Honorable members, I'll now return to the order paper, and we now have two minute speeches. And I now invite members for their two minute speeches. Are there any contributions? The chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for Home Affairs. It is.
6: Good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon, honorable members. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Tux and Kegels. Mr. Speaker, I rise before this Honorable House today, Mr. Speaker, with a heavy heart and a resolute determination to address a matter of paramount concern, Mr. Speaker, the alarming rise in crime that plagues our communities. Mr. Speaker, as a representative entrusted with the well-being of our constituents, it is incumbent upon us to confront this plague head on, Mr. Speaker. The recent surge in crime activities has cast a shadow of fear and uncertainty over our neighborhoods, threatening the safety and security of every law-abiding citizen, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, we cannot afford to remain passive in the face of such adversity. We must stand united to, resolve to, to, to in our resolve to combat crime with unwavering determination and collective actions. Mr. Speaker, first and foremost, we must acknowledge that addressing the root causes of crime requires a multifaceted approach. While law enforcement plays a crucial role in maintaining public safety, we must also recognize the socioeconomic factors that contribute to the criminal criminal behavior. Mr. Speaker, poverty, lack of educational opportunities, and limited access to social services often serves as breeding grounds for crime. Therefore, Mr. Speaker, we must invest in the initiatives that address the underlying issues providing our citizens with the support and resources they need to lead productive and fulfilling lives. Mr. Speaker, additionally, we must strengthen our partnership with law enforcement, providing them with the necessary tools, tools, Mr. Speaker, in the sense of manpower in the, the right Levels and the resources to effectively combat these crimes, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this includes increased community policing initiatives, Mr. Speaker, enhanced collaboration between law enforcement and the community, and implementing evidence based crime prevention strategies, Mr. Speaker. Furthermore, Mr. Speaker, we must prioritize the rehabilitation and reintegration of offenders into our society by investing in programs that addresses the root causes of the crime criminal behavior, Mr. Speaker, and provide offenders the opportunity for redemption. We can break the cycle of crime, Mr. Speaker, and build safer and more resilient communities Mr. Speaker, but let us be clear, Mr. Speaker, addressing crime requires more than just rhetoric. It requires decisive action and unwavering commitment. Mr. Speaker, as members of this Honorable House, we have a duty to our constituents to take a bold and decisive step to ensure that their safety and security is paramount. Mr. Speaker, let us, let us not shy away from the challenges. Let us confront it with courage, determination, and steadfast commitment to justice. Together, Mr. Speaker, we can build a brighter and safer future. Mr. Speaker, as citizens, as citizens, we look to our political leaders for guidance and actions. However, Mr. Speaker, it is it's also disheartening to see some politicians using the surge in crime as a tool to further their own agendas, rather than generally striving to make our communities safer. This approach, Mr. Speaker, not only undermines the severity of these issues, but also exuberates tensions and divisions within our society. Mr. Speaker, instead of engaging in divisive rhetoric and finger-pointing, political leaders must prioritize collaboration and evidence-based strategies to combat these crimes, Mr. Speaker, effectively. This includes more community-oriented and socioeconomic equalities and providing more support to the at-risk and individuals in our communities. Furthermore, Mr. Speaker, We must hold our leaders accountable, yes. For their words and actions, Mr. Speaker, we cannot allow them to exploit the fears of the public for political gain. We must demand integrity, empathy, and a genuine commitment to making our communities safe, safer for all, Mr. Speaker. In conclusion, let us not allow this surge in crime to become a political weapon. Let us instead unite in our efforts to address the underlying causes of crime, and work towards building our communities much more safer and inclusive for everyone, Mr. Speaker. And I thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? contributions? The chair recognizes the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, uh, since I had this walking around uh, with this speech in my uh, backpack, since the date on this is actually the 21st of March, 2023. So I figured that I have to get it out, and now is probably, probably the good time to get it out. Before I start with it, though, I was going to say that uh, earlier this week, uh, I had the pleasure of visiting South Caicos uh, to see the, the site of East Bay Resort, which is now uh, renamed Salterra. and as we know that they closed down last September to uh, greatly expand, I wouldn't even say renovate, they greatly expand the, um, the size of the hotel, and they're now moving up to uh, much higher class. Uh, in terms of service and, and product. Now I don't want to go into details about it because I don't like uh, basically announcing somebody else's good news. So I'd leave it to them whenever they're ready to cut the ribbon or the, the elected member for South is to talk to the good news. I just wanted to say that they're actually expanding the product, but where it comes in under me is that my ministry with the MSME program, that's TCI in the MSME program, because it's going to extend it's going to extend a lot of opportunities for South Caicos. And this is what I wanted to speak to last March, even before the hotel closed down, because it was one of the priority areas that we, uh, that we had looked into in terms of the MSMA, MSMA policy. And this will do well for the nation's capital, for Salt Key, and, uh, and South Caicos. So what I want to use my two minutes contribution today to talk about the enhanced MSMA program that TCI is currently running. And, and it is doing very well. And it's doing much better than I expected because it ran out it actually exhausted its entire budget before the end of the calendar year last year. And we have to now, I and during the last supplementary budget, we have to find additional funding for it. But I want to touch on one of the points that we added to the enhanced, uh, to the enhanced MSMA program, and that was sea salt harvesting and processing. Uh, as you're aware, Mr. Speaker, we have a number of significant Decommissioned, okay, we have a significant number of decommissioned salt ponds, and as one of our government's goals is to create entrepreneurs as well as to ensure that our local businesses can thrive, particularly the MSMEs. Uh, Mr. Speaker, our salt ponds can be repurposed or their byproducts utilized in various ways, including ecotourism. The salt pans can be used as an ecotourist attraction showcasing the history of salt production in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Visitors can learn about the process the historical importance of the salt industry and its impact on local culture. They can be used as wildlife sanctuaries, Mr. Speaker. Many salt pans create unique ecosystems, attracting various bird species, such as flamingos and herons. And by preserving these areas, they can create a haven for migratory and native bird species, potentially attracting bird watchers and wildlife enthusiasts. Small-scale salt production can be used. Uh, small-scale salt production can be initiated using traditional methods, This niche product can be marketed to gourmet food enthusiasts or used in local restaurants, showcasing the unique flavors of our region, of our islands. It can also be used for solar energy farms. I've actually looked into this and there are people who are using them for that. These large flat expenses of decommissioned salt pans are ideal for installing solar panels. Harnessing solar energy in this way can contribute to the island's renewable energy production and help reduce dependency on fossil fuels. Aquaculture, Mr. Speaker. Some salt pans could be repurposed for aquaculture, creating a controlled environment for the cultivation of fish, shellfish, or seaweed, and this can support the local economy and pro- promote sustainable seafood production. And then salt-based products, Mr. Speaker. Salt harvested from the salt pans can be used to create a range of products such as bath salts, salt scrubs, or salt-based culinary items, and these can be sold to tourists or used in local spas and wellness centers. So by, Mr. Speaker, by repurposing the salt ponds or utilizing their byproducts in these ways, we can promote sustainability, support the local economy, and preserve the unique culture and heritage of the Turks and Caicos Islands. But I also want to put is that the MSME grant program under the Invest TCI, under the Ministry of Finance, is really, uh, we we want to fund it, we want to fund it, we will help you get set up. We're, we're, We're excited about being able to fund someone that I don't know of anyone who's Actually, scaling up any uh, businesses in the salt area, we want to encourage people to do it. Like I said, salt cake is taking off. We believe that Brentok and Salty also has potential. So I'm mean, going to encourage those entrepreneur entrepreneurs to look at that as a possibility, and that as the MSME program on again on Invest TCI. I would be keen to to fund that. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for Tourism.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I would like to also congratulate all those who had anniversaries and birthdays. And I also want to convey my condolences to all those who lost loved ones. Mr. Speaker, yesterday was the beginning of a series of workshops for stakeholders, including our schools here in the Turks and Caicos Islands, as it pertains to one of the most pressing environmental challenges in our country, and that's the influx of sargassum. Mr. Speaker, I've received many, um, so many concerns from our community about sargassum, especially in Grand Turk, and I, was de- and I was determined to find out through the help of my department and DCR to get to the bottom of this issue. Given that our country is predominantly marine-based, with more marine space than land, and being entirely surrounded by water, it's imperative that marine management challenges like sargasm are given top priority on our government's agenda. So, Mr. Speaker, this is another initiative being funded by Blue Belt. And leading the workshops are national and international experts in sargasm. There are four of them. Tomorrow, the workshop continues here in Grand Turk at the Dillon Hall at 9.30, and I'm looking forward to a full house. Mr. Speaker, the environmental impact of sargasm cannot be overstated. These massive blooms disrupt delicate ecosystems, smothering coral reefs, and suffocating marine life. The excessive decomposition of sargassum depletes oxygen levels in coastal waters, lending to the formation of dead zones where aquatic aquatic life cannot thrive. Moreover, the sheer volume of seaweed washing ashore poses a significant challenge to coastal ecosystems, disrupting nesting grounds for sea turtles and other vulnerable species. In addition to its environmental toll, Sargassum poses a severe threat to the driver of our economy, tourism, and our fisher folk also. While we do not get manageable while we do get manageable amounts of other seaweed washing up on our shores daily, sargassum is different. The sheer amount of sargassum lining our beaches creates unsightly maps that deter tourists, tarnishing the image of our worlds rated pristine beaches and at times creating a dilemma for our beachfront proprietors who promised white sandy beaches to customers when booking but are presented with a beach full of sarcasm. Mr. Speaker, I'm a firm believer that only through collaboration efforts, only through collaborative efforts and shared expertise can we hope to find viable solutions to this complex issue. So Mr. Speaker, by bringing together government agencies, scientific institutions, industry representatives, and local communities, we can pool our resources, knowledge, and experiences to develop practical measures to mitigate the impact of sargasm. From innovative technologies for early detection and monitoring to sustainable management practices for seaweed removal and disposal, our collective ability holds the key to overcoming this challenge. I'm excited about these workshops, Mr. Speaker, and I look forward to working together in the spirit of collaboration but all our stakeholders. By working in partnership, we can turn the tide against sargasm and pave the way for a more sustainable and resilient future for generations to come. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, honorable member, for your contribution. The chair recognizes the honorable governor's appointed member number one.
7: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon, colleagues those strangers in the gallery, and those listening to us by the various platforms. Speaker, let me start by congratulating anyone celebrating special occasion. And condolences to anyone who may have lost loved one. So, Speaker, I want to touch a topic that the honorable minister of home affairs addressed, And that's the topic of crime. Speaker. Speaker, too many of our youth uh, sadly taking the wrong path, we would like to see a change in them, Mr. Speaker. Perhaps the leaders of the community, maybe it's time that we call on the church a lot, or maybe it's time that we as leaders also go to the community and reach out to these boys. Mr. Speaker, two years ago we hosted a National Day of Prayer at the Gustavus Leibn Stadium. Speaker, I feel that we should host a similar event. For this time, be where the youth get to meet the leaders of this country. Speaker, we should have an open day at the Gustavus Leibn where community leaders and members of the House of Assembly get to speak to the youth and have a conversation with them, not talk, not talk at them, but speak with them and see if we are able to get to some of them. We may not get to all of them, but if we get to some of them, the message will get to the youth. We have to think outside the box. We have to try and get creative to reach our youth because the future depends on them and it's on us to save them. And even if it means saving them from themselves, Mr. Speaker, we have to do it. It's sad to see the number of young men that we loosen to this violent crime. And I hope that the members of this house will agree with the idea and we find a way to set up a day. We could call it Youth Meet the Parliamentarians or Meet Your Leaders, whatever we want to call it, but there must be a day where we reach out to them, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, on the issue of um, policing as well, Mr. Speaker, Yes, we have seen police presence in Grand Talk over the last few few days. But I believe, Mr. Speaker, that we, as I said before, we need to strengthen the permanent presence of police officers in the island of Grand Talk. Eighteen months ago, I said that if we don't do it, the consequences could be dire. And sadly, Mr. Speaker, we are facing a few of those consequences. It's time to bring police presence back. The Cabinet, the House of Assembly, can only do so much. But we need the leadership of the police force to realize this challenge, and realize that Grantor cannot continue to be with this level of police presence. And also, Mr. Speaker, we had a little bit of a, of a wake up call a few weeks ago, which calls for the re-establishment of the full-fledged Marine Blanche, Marine branch back into Grand Turk. We need our waters to be patrolled. That is a serious security threat. And if the government and the House of Assembly put funding, we expect to see results. The public expect to see results. Yes, they are doing a great job on many areas, but we are entitled to see more results. And more needs to be done for the island of Grand Turk. And Mr. Speaker. I'm not bashing them down, but at the end of the day, we have to call a a spade a spade. spade, And where we are not getting it right, it has to be highlighted, Mr. Speaker. This is our country, this is our people, and we have a duty and an obligation to do what is best to protect them. Finally, Mr. Speaker, this might be the last time we meet here at the AJ Robinson High Auditorium. So I would like to thank the students and the staff for their patience. And I hope and pray that we hand over this place better than we get it. I hope to see, Mr. Speaker, new floor, new roof, new stage, new sound system. Let these students get this place in a far better shape than they give it to us to show our gratefulness and our thankfulness. So with that, Mr. Speaker, I say good afternoon. May God bless us all, and may God bless our beautiful island.
0: Thank you very much. Honorable Member for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for PPID.
8: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon, colleagues, strangers in the gallery, those listening via radio, as well as on social media. I get up again, Mr. Speaker. Oh, before I get to that, um, I'd like to wish all those that are celebrating birthdays um, an anniversary since we would have last met. And of course, we would have had a Valentine's Day. Yesterday, they called it Love Day, Mr. Speaker. So, uh, happy late Happy Valentine's Day to those persons listening. As well as I would like to to, to wish all of those that would have lost loved ones since we've last been to the House of Assembly. Um, uh, uh, condolence, and of course that. Uh, since then, persons within the House of Assembly would have lost their loved ones as well. So I want to extend a condolence to the, the clerk specifically as well as, as others. Mr. Speaker, um, I know two, two members would have already spoken directly to the, the increase in crime and gun violence of late. And this is something that I would have addressed to an extent last time in the two-minute speech. Mr. Speaker, I think I want to take it from another angle today, Mr. Speaker, because I think we, we need to be able to speak plainly to, to, to the truth of the matter, the truth of what's taking place in this, this country, Mr. Speaker. Because of course, there's always going to be noise in the market, and while we might Be on opposing sides within the House of Assembly. I'm sure most times we're on the same page, and some of the most recent noises is some of the the changes that would have been taking place in the, the police department, right, particularly at the senior level. And Speaker, definitely, I want to to thank the Deputy Commissioner of Police for the services given as the Acting Commissioner over this time, and. It's my hope that the Acting Commissioner, common and the future new Commissioner do what we essentially all want, which is get the results that we need. Mr. Speaker, me, like all of my colleagues and the Leader of the Opposition and everybody in this House of Assembly, we believe in the notion of Turks and Caicos Islanders first. We know and we fight for and would have fought for over the years to ensure that Turks and Caicos Islanders get the opportunity that is just and deserved to them. We also understand that for the public and the people, we must get the results. So Mr. Speaker, I remember back in 2022, when the notion of bringing in the contingent from the Bahamas was, why we got to bring in people from the Bahamas to support our boys? What happened to the guys on the ground? Mr. Speaker, they came in, they worked with our team, we got results because it isn't about and nor should it be about the who is being utilized to get the results. But whether or not the results that we are looking for is given, because Mr. Speaker, the fact of the matter is we are too focused as a people on the symptoms of what's taking place in our country, which is gun violence by young men and not focus on the actual cause, the real issue. Because last I checked, we don't manufacture guns here. So somebody got to be bringing them into the country. Somebody got to be distributing it to our young men. Somebody got to be making money off of this. So Mr. Speaker, We need to get to who are the brains, the masterminds behind this activity, because it ain't the children, ain't no young man under 20, just over 20, figuring out how they can get illegal weapons into this country via the sloops or trying to sneak it in through our port. And by the way, the minister of uh, the minister of immigration and Customs border control, all of that. They're working on making sure we get a container scanner to minimize that. So hopefully the sooner we get that in, we'll be able to shut that loophole. But it's the masterminds, Mr. Speaker. Yes, it's tragic. Every single one of us in this house could say how we've lost either a direct family member, friend, or we know somebody who would have lost a loved one. Mr. Speaker, myself, I've lost three cousins over the last couple of years directly by a bullet, Mr. Speaker. So and I know others in the house who also would have had the same thing, right? Gibsons, Simmons-Garlands, Godness-Mizzix, Mr. Speaker, my family. So when people say we don't, we ain't doing enough, What you think? You think we're here sitting up and trying to figure out how to get to the bottom of this? When they say, Mr. Speaker, don't bring nobody in from the UK, when we need the additional skill sets to get the masterminds to figure out who is behind this movement, Mr. Speaker, we're trying to get results, right? So if somebody from Timbuktu or Singapore gotta come down here to solve these crimes and get to the bottom of this, Mr. Speaker, because the, the, what do they call it, the the, 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 I'm trying to get the right words for it. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result, Mr. Speaker. Everybody should be given a chance, but if you have the chance and you don't get the result we want, as a government, we have a right because we're losing our sons and daughters, Mr. Speaker. You are the people are losing their sons and daughters, Mr. Speaker. So we have to. Nobody warn, but who? Where you get it help from? We just need to make sure when we get the help, the people who are here, we hold them to account to give them the help that they say they come for. Cause that's the reality, Mr. Speaker. And another thing, Mr. Speaker, since I hear, nice speak in truths, we got to take personal responsibility, Mr. Speaker. When I was minister, I felt when COVID was rampant, we had to turn and say, listen. If you want the virus, stop spreading, take responsibility, personal responsibility, and ensure that the people stay, wear your mask, do what is required, Mr. Speaker. The same thing is true for crime, Mr. Speaker, because this is our new pandemic. This is our new epidemic, Mr. Speaker, right? Because everybody, and again, we're pointing at the most vulnerable in our society. Oh, it's the broken persons, we need more schools, we need more activities, we need more this, we need more that. But, Mr. Speaker, the truth is, you got people who come from decent homes, supposedly, right? Who got good upbringing, who are educated, making money, who are involved in this too, Mr. Speaker. So when I say we got to get the masterminds, we got to get them, whoever they may be. Related or not, we can't cover up for them because again, bullet guns ain't got no bullets ain't got no eyes just like rocks back in the day. If as children, they used to teach us rocks ain't got no eyes. What you think about bullets, Mr. Speaker? How many locations in the last surge many of us don't frequent? Dragon Bar, that one of my spots. But the Chinese or the Thai restaurant in the yard where me and my children is get our fried rice or chicken fried rice or multi-fried rice with everything in it, minutes away. I could have been there that night, go and pick up, pick up some food, me and my children, or my wife and my children, and I could have gotten the news that a bullet ricocheted and hit one of them. Don, I guess how many people? And the, cra- the crazy thing about that, Mr. Speaker, I was supposed to be in Grand that Friday night, and I couldn't get on a flight, and I ended up coming up Saturday, Mr. Speaker, because we the softball championships was happening that same weekend, Mr. Speaker. Same, same weekend. That's one of the spots I should pass through when I have it. That's pass through. Got to go where the people are. You can't expect the people to come to you all the time. If that's where they are, you go meet your people. Could have been any one of us sitting right at that bar, Mr. Speaker. Any one of us. So it's not as if they're saying touching our families or could be touching us. It's serious business, Mr. Speaker. So the people out there who are trying to politicize it ain't political like in opposition and government, political, you know, but just trying to find something to kick us, take this seriously. Because, Mr. Speaker, the truth is, and we're seeing results, back in 2002, in addition to the actual bringing of the Bahamian force, our duty as legislators, which is our first primary duty, even beyond governing, because we ain't to the poll to be minister or nothing. We went to be representatives, Mr. Speaker. You know what we did last year? We passed the Firearms Amendment Ordinance 2022. We passed the Police Force Amendment Ordinance 2022. We passed the Firearm-Related Offenses Detention and Bail Amendment Ordinance 2022. We passed the inter- Interception of Communications Ordinance 2022. Boy, that one results from that one, too. We passed the Anti-Gang Ordinance 2022. We passed the offenses against the person amendment ordinance 2022, Mr. Speaker, we came here and we come for this work and we do this work. Yeah, It can take time to get results because you're going to jump from having nothing in place mm-hmm. to putting all these pieces of legislation in place to get the results we want overnight. It will happen because successive governments have provided the police force with the resources they've asked for. So we do doing our part, Mr. Speaker. We're doing our part, Mr. Speaker. And I was happy when the D.P., Deputy Premier Minister of Finance mentioned the micro, small and medium enterprise development ordinance and how good it's doing. We run out of money. We put more money back. But, Mr. Speaker, we also passed an amendment to that ordinance in 2022 mm-hmm. to increase Increase all the thresholds right. for the grants, concessions, technical, you name it. We increase it because guess what? In addition to putting the legislation in place to help our force get to those masterminds who we really, really want to get a hold of, we know on the flip side we need to create more up up entrepreneurial opportunities for our people, Mr. Speaker. That's right we doing both things one time, and even more than both things, because, again, just like last, last time we were in here, I explained how each and every ministry contribute to crime-fighting. Mr. Speaker, now I'm going to go over it again. But this is a serious, serious, serious thing. Very, 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 very serious, Mr. Speaker. So we can do our part, continue to do our part, keep praying up, To make sure all of us and all of our loved ones and everybody can be safe and we get a grip of this thing not because we we want to mr speaker because we must thank you
0: thank you you very much much. honorable member for your contribution Uh, are there any further contributions the chair recognizes the honorable minister for education
9: Good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. And a pleasant good afternoon to those in the gallery, as well as those listening via RTC and the Facebook page. Mr. Speaker, I want to take this opportunity to extend condolences to all persons who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Uh, Mr. Speaker, just two days ago, I had one of my constituents who died in the person of Miss Elaine Louise Williams, She's actually the mother of Larissa Simmons, our Vice Principal in Salki. at Mary Robinson, the mother of Marvin Seymour, Risa Williams, and she has three additional children. Mr. Speaker, Elaine was like my almost best friend, Mr. Speaker, and I would definitely miss her dearly. So condolences to the bereaved families. Mr. Speaker, I want to take this opportunity to continue on with our minister with responsibilities for PPID alluded to in terms of what is currently happening in our country in relation to gun violence. And Mr. Speaker, for us to really understand what is currently happening in terms of the kind of support that we are rendering to our people. The kind of support that's not just coming from the government but also all the various entities including the Christian Council, and all the other youth organizations who are lending a hand. And Mr. Speaker, I just want to encourage our people not to lose hope. Mr. Speaker, um, last week when, when our students were at the sports event, I must say we had the opportunity to meet them and talk to them as to what transpired to see how they feel. And Mr. Speaker, I must say they felt a sense of a sense that we cared. And I say that because actually our student support services kick into play. And what our student support services is really actually for individuals from various entities, looking at mental health, looking at social services, the police, and all the relevant bodies, including the guidance councils, coming together, not just in times of crisis, but when there was a great need for our children. So actually, student support services played out well on Monday of this week. And I want to take this opportunity to say thanks to the MP with responsibilities for Grand Turk, one of them, as well as our governor, who supported me while we visited the school. Mr. Speaker, I also wanted to say a special thanks to the police who came and they spoke from their heart, Mr. Speaker. But Mr. Speaker, I also want us to understand that the challenges are real. They are very real. And definitely what is going to happen is that we have to continue with our efforts to ensure that there is consistency in everything we do. And we know that phase one of reaching the streets initiative um, kicked off in January. And Mr. Speaker, during the month of April 8th to the 13th, we will continue with our program. And uh, from April 8th to the 10th, they will continue on the island of Providenciales. And then on April 11th to 13th, on the island of Grand Turk. Mr. Speaker, it is important for us to ensure that there are interventions for our young people and proven and intervention, intervention and, and interven- strategies that will improve the lives of our young people to ensure, ensure that, that we are, are equipped with the knowledge, Mr. Speaker, and the and skills. skills. Because, Mr. The, speaker, even with the individuals who showed up at H.J. Robinson High School on Grand Ter- we realized that there were young men out there who care. Not just young men out there who care, but also persons from the church who showed up. But what we realized as they continue to discuss is how do we Build, equip ourselves with the knowledge and the skills so that we will be more effective on the streets. So Mr. Speaker, that is what the continuous of training will take place, and it will seek to address those concerns. And Mr. Speaker, we have to be intentional in terms of informing those persons who intend to be at our workshops as to what it would entail. And I think I did it last time, but I want to continue to remind the public we have to look at the characteristics of these troubled youth. We have to look at who they are and why. And as a minister for PPID so ably stated, sometimes we have to go to them where they are. We have to understand the game. What, what does this game entail, the street gang? What does that game entail, Mr. Speaker? Because too many a times, Mr. Speaker, as a form, the former minister, the minister mentioned, sometimes... We see families, and we feel as if to say that only those of the less fortunate are afflicted with such incidents. But it doesn't matter who the families are. All of us are impacted. We have to look at how to access and engage troubled youth, the proven success strategies. So we have to look at strategies that persons have already employed. Mr. Speaker, another thing we have to seriously look at is those persons who have uh, made changes in their lives. So we have actually identified those individuals so that they can speak their story. Mr. Speaker, I was so happy on Monday when I had the opportunity to speak with the gentleman who operates, I don't remember his name, but he is right here with us. And he was talking about his story. He was incarcerated. And he talked about the challenges and how he had to overcome them. And Mr. Speaker, he's talked about persons in, affluent people in community who had no hope, they lost hope in him. So we have to ensure that we capitalize on opportunities to engage those persons so that children can see that there are real-life situations where they can improve themselves. But then, Mr. Speaker, I also want to mention in terms of what we are currently doing, and that is in partnership with rehabilitation. We have to ensure that we engage the relevant stakeholders in relation to anger management, substance of abuse program. And Mr. Speaker, these are all in place, but we have to ensure that they are strengthened for the effective delivery of our program. And the thinking for change, Mr. Speaker, I am quite excited about the development, continuous development, because what happened is that there's a curriculum that's already been developed and a panel of discussants our experts, Mr. Speaker, in cognitive behavioral interventions will be utilized. But Mr. Speaker, I just want us to understand too that we talk about making sure that there are safe spaces for our young people. Safe spaces are currently there, but it's important for us as parents to ensure that our children capitalize off the opportunities that are currently available. And we all talk when we come to the House of Assembly about basketball, soccer, rugby, and all the other activities. They are there. So we have to just ensure that our children gain access to the various opportunities that are taking place. And, Mr. and Mr. Mr. Speaker, to the, the residents of Grand Tuck, Tuck, in speaking to the young children, they talk about that safe space in terms of the, the Grand Tuck, Tuck Sports Complex, Complex. Minister, when that when will be finished, our last, last update has that proven that that project, project will be completed, be completed June 28, 2024, for our young people, young people to have, have another safe space, space to engage. To engage. Mr. 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 Speaker, I just I want to also take this opportunity, opportunity to briefly and um, mention and the, the programs, programs or should I say the projects that will continue for my constituency of Electoral District 9, the $350,000 improvement works to the Felix Morley Community Center, another opportunity to engage in greater um, activities for our young people. And of course, Mr. Speaker, just today, the bids will close for the ramp that's in the area of South Dock, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to um, seeing that project um, materialize that project very soon. soon. And of As course, Mr. The speaker, the beautification, which is, which is going, going to run us in on another $100,000. I'm, I'm looking forward looking to, to that. that. But I just, I just want, to want to end by saying that. that our, our spe- Department of Special Education needs that co- com- workshop, workshop, or should I say the press conference, will take place on February 25th in the conference room at Opus from 10 to 12. We'll look at at comprehensive comprehensive assessment assessment strategies, strategies, behavioral behavioral therapy, therapy, as well as speech and language um, therapy. I want to to encourage the the residents of Electoral District District 9 to remember that once they are engaged in any kind of cleanup cleanup activity to ensure ensure that that the garbage bags bags along the streets are removed, because I was was quite appalled appalled yesterday in seeing the many garbage bags left on the street. But our Minister for Health has promised us that he will sure that they were collected. So I'm hoping that when I return today, they will all be removed. Thank you, Thank Mr. Speaker.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? There'll there be no further contributions. I would like to return to the The Chair recognizes the Honorable Premier.
10: Mr. Speaker, um, I notice you have waived the two-minute timeline. It it hasn't been waived,
0: but it has been extended somewhat.
10: (laughs) Uh, Mr. Speaker, um, these are difficult times uh, globally. It seems that the world has lost its mind. Everywhere you go, there seem to be uh, conflict, seem to be hate, Um, people seem to be unhinged. I don't want to inject my religious perspective on things, but I think, think I would say that um, for those of us who <coughs> follow scripture, these times are not a surprise to us. Having said that, as leaders in this country and leaders of society, with responsibility to look after people because, principally, the job of government is to protect and to provide. Uh, and so, it's It's an obligation that we have to do both of those uh, first and foremost. Everything else hinges on that um, and i you know there's an imbalance and and um, when one thinks in terms of Disease, that's exactly what it is. Um, one could say disease is a state of instability or where the ecosystem, whether it be in terms of one's human biological system or society, is at a state of disease. In other words, uneasiness. And um, I say all of that to say that in the area, uh, there's no panacea for what we're seeing. No easy answers. Uh, And we have to attack the crime situation that we're dealing with at all levels. And it will take some time. And it's only natural. It's only natural for society to want the solution to happen now and immediately and overnight, uh, forgetting that it's taken a while for us to get to where we are. Um, Now, let me say that the press statements, I've been told and I've seen it in the social media in around that the community is tired of hearing uh, press statements and apologies and uh, 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 condolences. Um, but yet, uh, that is what is said in one breath and in the other breath. If nothing is said, then there's also condemnation. But as human beings and as leaders, we have to appreciate, we have to, and it's from a contrite and compassionate heart, we have to to um, sympathize and, uh, with those persons who have lost loved ones. Uh, but we also have to inject a certain amount of tough love if we're going to heal the illness of our society. And that's what exactly happens in a sick patient. You go to the hospital, and you get injections, and you get whatever medicine distasteful it may be. And it's really at that time when we have to really uh, forget about the niceties and to uh, inject or provide tough medicine in order to deal with the issue. And as has been said already during the course of this uh, two-minute session, that uh, one has to now look beyond associations and families. And even call upon family members who are aware of what other family members are up to to stand up and say something, provide information uh, because the very life you save may be your own or the life of your child or or, or relative the I get criticized for appearing with the Governor to speak to the issue of crime and to extend condolences and uh, to empathize with persons or families that have affected. Uh, You know, as the honorable uh, member said earlier, wherever and however the help comes we have to accept it. Uh, we did get su- significant support from the Bahamians uh, two years ago, coming up to two years ago. Um, but now they have their own problems. And when the contingent left in December to go back to the Bahamas, we knew that it was an unlikely that they would be coming back. Two weeks ago, maybe less than two weeks ago, the governor and I appear together and we spoke about the immediate help that the United Kingdom was providing in addition to the help that they have provided already. And what I can say to you that we are actively in conversation with other regional governments about getting additional assistance. Um, the budget that is provided for the Royal Turks and Caicos Islands Police Force uh, on its own is around 10% of the entire budget allocation, let alone all of the other security agencies and efforts that are being put behind uh, trying to get to grips with keeping our community uh, safe. But also, I wanted to be said very clearly that there are some of our own people who are involved in In dirty dirty deeds, so to speak. speak. And by dirty dirty deeds, I mean from from smuggling guns guns to smuggling people, people. right? Right. And And it is intention of this government government to start to put put a, a, uh, um, I want to be careful how I say this, but to start to put some reward money on the line. Whatever we need to do in order to bring those to book, we will have to do it. Because make no mistake, the people who are smuggling illegals into this country under the cover of night are either people who've lived in this country a long time or are our own people who are involved in it. I'm sending a strong message, strong message, moon may run all night, but they will catch you. So if you're up to that, I suggest you stop, because if you're caught, and you will be caught, you'll be punished, as it said, with the full extent of the law. Now, we're looking at additional le- legislation as well to toughen the punishment for people who are preying on our society, and for big grown criminal men who are preying on our young people. Because some of these young kids have no idea what they're doing. They're bummed out of their mind because they're fed with drugs, or they are threatened or manipulated. And so I'm sending a strong message um, that we will not sit around and tolerate this, this nonsense that's going on. I have a conversation now, I've just this morning I spent close to an hour on the telephone speaking to the FCDO minister about the situation in TCI. We are concerned about the instability in Haiti. Uh, Honorable, the Honorable Minister will be in, in um, Guyana in, to the end of the month. At the CARICOM has a government meeting and will be meeting up with the SDDO minister there. We now have an arrangement in place where I have a monthly uh, conversation with the minister to keep up with representation and exchange of views and ideas as to what we can do and should be doing and need to be doing on a real-time basis to try to protect these Turks and Caicos Islands uh, and to preserve whatever is left of our reputation. You know, while we, could, while we boast of large uh, and a deep um, channel of investments that are happening and will happen in these islands, the threat is real. Uh, and 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 the risk is high. So we must do everything that we can, and I promise that we are and will continue with the assistance of our regional and international partners to do everything that we can to protect the people of these islands. And I know that um, and I know that Sometimes that is not enough, and I, sometimes I, I would wish that there were the willingness, the effort by our community to actively get involved in the prevention uh, and pro- providing information, whether it is on um, crime stoppers, or whether it's to the pastor, pastor, or whether it's to some other trusted person. person. We seem seem to get get a real high high just just being on on social media, taking taking pictures pictures of dead dead people people being shot in the middle of the street. street. And just, we seem to be, have a real adrenaline adrenaline rush with the bad news, rather than to focus on how we could um, all get together, stretch our hands across and around each other, and do something about what is happening. I notice that it is easier, um, there's more more mileage uh... is is gotten from rumors and bad news than is from all of the good things that may happen in, in this country. Both from the, the government point of view and all of our other agencies, <laughs> and let it be said that, that the people of these Turks and Caicos Islands, by and large, are good, God-fearing people. Right? There's no question about that. Yet we seem to have uh, be very reticent when it comes to outing those people who are spoiling lives, the, the livelihood, and the good name of these islands. And so I call on these, uh, all of us, I call all of us to do not cower and do not hide wrong and shelter those people who are doing wrong. There's a slew of legislation that the minister just mentioned a while ago, right, that speaks to those issues. And I'm calling on the... Uh, law enforcement offices to really apply those because as legislators, our job is to make the law, and we have there's no shortage of legislation on our books to cover so many things. We seem to have a real problem with enforcement, and I understand why some of that is the way it is because again, resources is not always available, and when it is. When it's even affordable, it's not always available. So, with that said, uh, Mr. Speaker, um, I do believe, I do believe, we're on a. Uh, from a strategic point of view, the pieces are beginning to be put in place, uh, and I do believe, uh, with the strategic pieces being put in place. Uh, we will be in a better position to uh, detect and to to deal with some of the criminal uh, elements uh, that we see, and you know there are all sorts of all sorts of uh, ideas out there, and we know what is said about opinions, and everyone is entitled to an opinion. Uh, but I would call on our people in my Turks, my Turks and Caicos Islands people to be objective uh, about these uh, issues and to speak um, with passion, but also with clarity and with um, with compassion. Uh, but also, Mr. Speaker, to be resolute in assisting the authorities in ridding these, these, these Turks and Caicos Islands of crime. crime. Now let now, me let close, close by expressing by, my uh, uh, gratitude, gratitude to, to all of all the hard-working, hard-working men and women on the front line, because I think by and large they are, uh, they are hard-working people who've put, put their lives, lives and, and to that to some extent the livelihood, livelihood of their families on the line to protect our Our Turks and Caicos Islands. Islands. And at the end of the day, they have concerns, they have risks, and it is our duty to make sure that we do everything to mitigate those risks uh, so that when we send them out to the front lines to deal with the challenges that we have, that we support and protect them. Uh, And so, Mr. Speaker, Finally, I would just like like to to express my uh, condolences condolences and my my gratitude gratitude and my my uh, compliments compliments, uh, in that order to people who are experiencing those different uh, aspects aspects of uh, highs and lows in their lives and to say that uh, this government uh, government is with you, you, uh, everything everything we do, uh, every everything we do every uh, is meant or every to to make TCI safer to provide a a better life, both in terms of the standard and the quality of our people and we sometimes miss the mark we 're not perfect, no one is right and we can 't uh, it is not an insurmountable or, or an inexhaustible uh, supply. And so affordability does become an issue sometimes. Right. But together, uh, I, would, I would hope that we would adopt the attitude of the Sri Musketeers, one for all and all for one. We're in this together. And I believe divided, we will split apart. And so I call for us to unite around the common cause of making TCI a beautiful place to live and a safe place. So with that said, Mr. Speaker, thank you.
0: Thank you, Honorable Premier, for your contribution. are there any further contributions are there any further contributions are there any further contributions contributions? the chair recognizes the honorable deputy speaker and honorable elected member for south Caicos.
4: good afternoon mr speaker um it would really be remiss of me if i didn't take this opportunity to to express my thanks and appreciation to our Premier, our Deputy Premier, and the Minister of Tourism for visiting South Caicos this week. It was a wonderful time of refreshing and engaging. Um, They met uh, at the invitation of the CEO and owner of the East Bay Resort, now to be the Saltera Resort. And we uh, visited a number of historical sites We visited a number of the proposed um, projects, some of the proposed projects for South Caicos, and we had a wonderful exchange of information. We toured the airport, Um, we were um, given first-hand information by the CEO of the airport's authority, and the the whole day was engaging. And uh, the day ended with me feeling very enthusiastic and encouraged by what I heard. Um the the owner of the east bay hotel committed himself to helping to improve and enhance not just his property where extensive work is being undertaken but to enhance the community of south acres in preparation for the opening the official opening of the reopening round of the hotel in january of uh, 2025. Uh, also was encouraged by the premier's, the premier's rather commitment to providing resources to make um, South Cacos a more beautiful place. Um, And so on behalf of the people of South Cacos, I want to thank our Premier, thank our Deputy Premier, and our Minister of Tourism, and also to thank the principals of the East Bay Resort for their
0: commitment to making South Cacos a better place. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Honourable Member, for your contribution. Uh, there are there any further contributions? Uh, there are there any further contributions? Uh, there are any further contributions? Uh, there are any further contributions? there be no further contributions. I would like to return to the order. You have a contribution? No? I'd like to return to the order paper. Petitions, there are none. Papers, there are none. Government notices, there are none. Private Private members' notices, there are none. Notices of questions, there are none. We are now at statement by ministers. And we have one statement by the Honorable Minister for Health. Honorable Minister for Health.
11: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, good afternoon to you, good afternoon to our my ministerial colleagues here in the house, and all my colleagues, those in the gallery, and of course, Mr. Speaker, to the good people of these Turks and Caicos Islands, from Gibski to West Caicos, of whom I have the privilege of representing in this house. Mr. Speaker. As you see, I didn't get up during the two minutes because I knew I have a few minutes for my ministerial speech. And so I want to align myself with the comments of our premier and particularly, and also with my colleague, the honorable Robinson as minister on their statement on the crime situation in these Turks and Caicos. Mr. Speaker, as I always said over the years, that crime is everybody's business. And so today, I stand with our people in this country. Mr. Speaker, also, I want to recognize those who are in mourning today. But I want to single out, especially, um, we call a mother, Judith Williams. From here in uh, Baxalina, she lives in Providenciales. And they will be burying her son this weekend in Providenciales and the Williams family, I want to acknowledge them. And of course, um, the Capron and um, our deputy, not deputy, our clerk here of the council who have lost her nephew and their family. I want to acknowledge, um, pass on my condolences publicly. Mr. Speaker, I promise the people of this country at the last sitting of the house that I will deliver a ministerial speech at this sitting. And so I do now as promised. Mr. Speaker, a former American president Abraham Lincoln once said, I do the very best I know, the very best I can, and I mean to keep on doing it until the end. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character Give him power. And I end, quote, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, as we approach the end of the financial year, 2023-2024, I take this opportunity to provide members of this Honorable House and the people of these Turks and Caicos Islands with a brief summary of some of the health services initiatives that has been announced announced and in recent weeks. weeks. Mr. Mr. Speaker, the Ministry of Health health remains committed committed to strengthening its human resource capacity, capacity. which reaffirms our commitment to achieving the goals of universal health coverage and to mitigate those threats posed by emerging and re-emerging diseases and natural disasters to our country and its residents and our visitors mr speaker the following appointments mr speaker has been filled program officers local to in the Health Promotion and Advocacy Unit. We have recruited a training officer and the Health Emergency Management. We have recruited two temporary vector control officers, which is extended to the end of the financial year. Mr. Speaker, we have also interviewed a chief medical technologist. This is very important. Recently, the interview was done recently, conducted for this potential candidate, which has been identified. Mr. Speaker, these Turks and Caicos Islands, like all the Caribbean islands, continue to see cases of dengue. As such, Mr. Speaker, Permit me to provide a brief update on the dengue situation in these Turks and Caicos Islands to you and by extension the people of this country. Mr. Speaker, since the beginning of the dengue outbreak in the Turks and Caicos Islands, the Ministry of Health has identified 279 cases of dengue. These cases include cases confirmed through testing at the Caribbean Public Health Laboratory, CAFA. We had some 104 tested there. As well as cases identified locally for the use of rapid tests that we can provide here within these Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, these cases were distributed as follows. Providenciales have seen some 269 cases. In Grand Turk, we had seven cases. In North Caicos, we had two cases. And in South Caicos, one case. Dengue virus type was established for 87 out of the 104 laboratory confirmed cases. 85 laboratory confirmed cases were type 3, and two were type 2 dengue. Mr. Speaker, type 3 dengue is associated with the more severe disease. Mr. Speaker, a total of 28 persons with dengue has been hospitalized. But Mr. Speaker, through God's grace and mercy, I can report to you and the people of this country, there has been no reports of any dengue-related deaths. Mr. Speaker, what I would add here is that the public plays a key role in preventing the further spread of dengue. And we, including myself as well, are being urged to ensure that your water barrels and buckets are properly covered to prevent mosquito larvae. Also, cover or properly dispose of all tires. Mr. Speaker, we ask you to properly dispose of all litter and vase. These overlooked breeding grounds perpetrate the cycle of dengue transmission. Prevention through ensuring that your Ensuring clean environment, sanitation, public awareness, with active community involvement, is crucial to supporting the ministry's ongoing response to dengue. Recent weeks have shown a decline in the number of new cases of dengue being identified in these Turks and Caicos Islands. Many activities would have been and continue to be undertaken to address the spread of dengue, including a sustained health communication messages on actions which the public can take to reduce mosquito breathing and avoid mosquito bites, as well as community clean ups and continue implementation of an integrated vector management plan. Mr. Speaker, the team continues to work in partnership with communities and local, regional, and international organizations such as Caribbean Public Health Agency, CAFA, Pan American Health Organization, PAHO, and the UK Health Security Agency, who left the country last night on Virgin Atlantic after three, year, three weeks of intense work with our ministry. We thank them so much. Two, strengthen critical areas such as our food safety, our vector controls, health promotion, emergency medical services. National National Public Public Health Health Laboratory Services, Services, Primary Health Care, and Health Disaster Management. Management. Mr. Speaker, we all know that when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Speaker, I am extremely pleased and excited to announce that cabinet approved the National Health Sector Strategic Plan 2024-2027. Mr. Speaker, the National Health Sector Strategic Plan was developed using a consultative approach, ensuring Stakeholders within and beyond the Ministry of Health and Human Services. Mr. Speaker, I would like to extend my sincere thanks and appreciation again to PAHO and World Health Organization, which is WHO, who provided resources for the development of the national health sector strategic plan 2024 to 2027 mr speaker this plan will serve as a road map providing guidance and direction to all stakeholders involved in improving the health and wellness of the population of these Turks and Caicos Islands, assisting the government in achieving its health goals and bring activities into alignment with our vision, mission, and core core values of the ministry. Mr. Speaker, the launch of this plan is being scheduled to take place late March or early April. It will be a big deal. Mr. Speaker, I got more good news. Migrant health has been a topical issue in the social media realm for some time. Mr. Speaker, As Minister of Health and Human Services, I am delighted to announce the successful completion of phase three of the Migrant Health Evaluation System. The system is now completely digital. Do you hear me, Mr. Speaker? Completely digital. Mr. Speaker? the digitization and e-government technology and innovation unit within the Ministry of Finance, Investment, and Trade, I and the developers were successful in finalizing the phase, phase three of the new system, which is scheduled. Turks and Cakers, Listen and Good, business community, It is scheduled to go live on February 19, 2024, our next historical day coming this Monday. Mr. Speaker, this success will go a long way in helping the unit to process applications in a timely manner. Mr. Speaker, I would like to take this opportunity to express my sincere gratitude to all the agencies who made the success of this initiative possible, particularly, Mr. Speaker, the Primary Health Care Unit, the Digitization and E-Government Technology and Innovation Unit, the Ministry of Health and, of course, Mr. Speaker, I cannot leave out the former ministers of health who initiate this venture that our government promised that we will not stop till we fully digitize this Turks and Caicos Government in the next six, six years. years. Especially, I want to thank the Deputy Premier, the Honorable E.J. Saunders, and also the Honorable Jamal Robinson. Huh? Oh, oh. Sorry. I was referring to them at this addressing. Oh, the minister. Yes. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, I apologize for calling their full name. Yes. But the minister of finance and the minister of PBID, the former ministers. Yes,
0: Yes. thank you.
11: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Twin Island. I mean, Honorable Minister of Immigration. Mr. Speaker, I'm almost done. I only got two pages. Mr. Speaker, I am so proud to announce a historic movement with regards to the nursing profession in these Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, cabinet at its last sitting approved the amendment to the health profession ordinance and regulations granting the nursing, nursing and midwifery profession council the authority to approve basic, basic register, register curriculum, curriculum offered by, by any, any, any tertiary, tertiary institution, institution. And, and to be the be authorized body. body to administer examinations for, for nursing, nursing, registration, and licensing within with these Turks, Turks and Caicos Island. Island. It's a big deal, it's Mr. Speaker. Historic! Mr. The Speaker, the cabinet also, also granted the approval for the health, health profession. An authority on behalf of the nursing and midwifery profession council to negotiate and enter into contractual agreements with the Caribbean Examination Council. Another huge achievement. Mr. Speaker, as Minister of Health with response, as Minister with responsibility for health. I do not take this role lightly. Mr. Speaker, since 2018, we have been trying to formally contract the services of the providentiality's landfill. Mr. Speaker, I am pleased and delighted to announce that a new three-year contract has been awarded to TCI Green Ecological Corporation Limited, which is owned and operated by the Gibbs brothers, our sons of the soil, to manage the waste disposal site on the island of Providenciales. Mr. Speaker, the commencement date for this contract takes effect on March 1st, 2024, a few days away. Mr. Speaker, this is a testament to our ongoing commitment to ensure the landfill site is managed effectively and appropriately in order to reduce any harmful impact on our environment and the health of our residents. Speaker, in conclusion, I would like to state that the aforementioned, this is just a prelude to what you could expect during the budget and the not too distant future, Mr. Speaker, the greater majority of the people of this country, they know, they can identify. I come for this work, Mr. Speaker. It would be a remiss of me not to recognize and command the dedicated staff within the Ministry of Health and Human Services who continue to demonstrate their professional, unwavering commitment to ensuring, to ensuring positive health outcomes for all the people of these Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, also our committed cabinet that supports this ministry and all its initiatives. I thank them. Mr. Speaker, I want to also express my sincere thanks and appreciation to our local, regional, and international partners who continue to work closely with the Ministry of Health and Human Services to ensure that we achieve universal health care coverage for all. our people people in these these Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, it goes without saying. I say to these people of this beautiful by nature Turks and Caicos Islands, I say thank you to them. And Mr. Speaker, I say may God continue to bless you. And may God continue to bless this great government of the Turks and Caicos Islands. And may God continue to bless these Turks and Caicos. I thank you, Mr. Speaker.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Minister of Health, for your ministerial statement. Honorable members, I will now return to the order paper. Personal explanations, there are none. Motions for leave of absence. Honorable members, I did receive um, an application for personal leave from the Honorable elected member for Leeward and Long Bay. Number 16, notices of motions for the adjournment of the House of on matters requiring urgent consideration. There were none. And subsidiary legislation made since January, 2024. There were none. Honorable Premier. We have now come to the end of our agenda for today.
10: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Thank colleagues. Mr. Speaker, I move that this House stands adjourned. Sign it, aye.
0: Honorable members, this Honorable House now stands adjourned.
1: Sign it, aye.